THN is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter. Hacha! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 545 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. Spoiler, somebody dies in this one. Nerds, my name is Matt Baum. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's right on the cover, though, so you know you're walking into it. Oh, okay. And the solicit we put out two months ago, let everybody this know. This is <laughs> very grim considering the end of the show. Uh, I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. In this week's episode, we put our review spotlight on Marvel's new team for Blade and the return of the albino super killer Bloodshot. After that, we'll review eight more of this Wednesday, September 25th's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Then it's down to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum where we're rapping about our must-read picks for next week. And finally, Joe and I are reviewing Jeff Lemire's new graphic novel, Frog Catchers, for our Take a Look. It's in a book segment. It's all happening on this landmark 545 episode. I didn't even First. I didn't even know numbers went higher than 544. I know, right? We better talk about this week's nerd news. Hasbro's Micronauts toy line will receive a feature film reboot. Micro, 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 <laughs> micro knots. <laughs> from, <laughs> from How to Train Your Dragon filmmaker Dean DeBlois. DeBlois? DeBlois? DeBlois. This is according to The Hollywood Reporter. We're just going to call him Dean because that last name's impossible. Dean will write and direct the Blois. The Blois. The Blois. Yeah, he sounds like he always sells your tires. The Blois. Come, come on, on down to the Blois. Come on down to the Blois tires. If you can buy tires anywhere else, I can, then you're getting ripped off. I can fit so many Micronauts in this bad boy. <laughs> How many Micronauts you need, huh? The <laughs> Blois will write and direct Micronauts based on the 70s toy line, which in turn was based on a Japanese toy line called Microman. The toys later spawned a Marvel comic book, a great Marvel comic book. Mm. The original story centered on a group of freedom fighters in a subatomic kingdom. We call it the microverse around here. However, The Hollywood Reporter describes the new story as focusing on, quote, intergalactic explorers. So go ahead and put a bullet in your Ant-Man 3 Micronaut <laughs> hopes because it's gone. I mean, here's the thing. The whole deal with the Micronauts is that they're from a subatomic universe. They're teeny tiny in the real world. If you're just going to make them generic space explorers, then what's the point? What if they're teeny tiny space explorers? Oh, man. You I know, don't and they like come to know. Earth and we're huge. It's like, honey, we shrunk the Micronauts kind of thing, you know? A previous script from Deadpool writers, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick was commissioned through J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot Productions. That was for the rated R Micronauts. Yeah, They're right, hard R. R. Yeah. Uh, du Bois's film will be produced through Hasbro's AllSpark Productions. It's set for a June 4th, 2021 theatrical release. That's optimistic. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, how much of this is going to be CG? I mean, it could basically be I almost don't mean the, animated. I don't mean the time frame. I mean, here we are in the year of our Lord 2019, and people are still talking about making a Micronauts movie. That's I don't a, yeah. think it's going to happen. Well, this is coming from AllSpark Productions, who put out Bumblebee, which was mm. great. Yes, it the was. The first great. Transformers movie worth watching. Yeah. No argument there. I don't want to hear it. Okay? I would never. <laughs> it's the truth. That, and take into account... There has never been a How to Train Your Dragon movie that was under 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. The first one is still at 99. I'm not saying it's not a, a good say, 
pedigree. This I'm is saying, quite the creative team. I think that they've been trying to get this movie franchise for Hasbro off yeah. the ground for how how long ago was it we first talked about it? Well, remember it was going to be like G.I. Joe, Transformers, yeah. Micronauts, a shared Rom. universe. Ooh. Yeah, Thundercats and Strawberry Shortcake. Right, all yeah. in. I just don't know. I like I love the Micronauts. I please give me a good fun Micronauts sci-fi movie. I would but much rather this was Marvel Micronauts. It's I, never going to be. Marvel I know. Micronauts. I know. It's it's just heartbreaking. I would love it so much if like Ant Man like went back into the place that's not the microverse the quantum realm yeah whatever <laughs> and they were just there the micronauts were there <laughs> that would be great oh, i mean and there's no reason why marvel studios couldn't use bug and commander ran the like anybody that you care about with a name came yeah, from marvel except for except for acro year acro year acro year acro year whatever the hell his name is <laughs> <laughs> i barely care if it's fun i'm in yeah same okay Mini From the Black Crown desk, which we will be dusting off and putting into storage, I guess. Shelly Bond's Black Crown imprint at IDW Publishing is dead. The decision comes after its most recent series, Marilyn Manor, was canceled after the first issue and several other titles were pushed back on IDW's publishing schedule. This was announced back in 2017. Black Crown was Bond's new publishing line in IDW following her exit from DC's Virgo Comics. We both loved Black Crown, although I think I yeah. loved it a little more. I mean, than I didn't you. love everything they put out, but I thought it was it it held a very Vertigo space. Yes, it was that quirky sort of European feeling, weird comics. It wouldn't work anywhere else. Yeah, they were very well written. They were very well drawn. They all had this punk rock sensibility. They were music adjacent. There was a lot of mention of famous musicians yeah. and bands. I loved it. Unfortunately, it did not sell. Mm. According to Bond, the final two issues of Eve Stranger and its collected collection and its collected edition, how's that sound, <laughs> sure. will be published this fall, but no more Black Crown. How do we feel? I mean, I'm sad. It sucks. What, what really sucks is that quality comics like this don't sell. They just don't sell. And anymore. like, I mean, I'm sure sales are a factor, but like, they didn't say anything about why. I haven't heard anybody say anything about why. I I just saw IDW shutting it's the doors gotta, of Black Crown. It's got to be sales. If you go back to June, their top 500 comics list at ICV2, Marilyn Manor number one checked in at 292. Well, it wasn't a very good comic, and it only shipped 3,300 issues. Yeah. That is nothing. I mean, like, indie bands make more seven inches than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose when you're, the bulk of your lineup consists of licensed properties yeah. that have, at least have a baseline, probably. Yes, and they're putting they're putting weight behind this. They're throwing money at it. They did give it a good push, and at some point, you have to look and say, we have to pull the plug. Yeah. It sucks, because it really was quality stuff, and it was a fun little corner of weird comics. Well, and then there's a lot going on behind the scenes at IDW too, a lot of like yeah. restructuring and stuff. So yeah, it was, it's tough. It's tough, but I hope Shelly Bond sticks around in comics. I do too. I do too. And it wouldn't surprise me if she pops up somewhere else. Yeah. Cause she's I an important feeling, voice. I think like you said, IDW is changing, is sw- switching gears a little bit and probably leaning into their license stuff more. Sure. Cause that's where their bread is buttered. So too bad. Yep. From the DC desk, writer James Tinian IV and artists Tony Daniel, Danny Mickey, and Tom Moray 
will take over as the main Batman creative team following the impending departure of writer Tom King. Which should kind of shock no one. This seems... We're going to get to that. More than obvious. Yeah. DC co-publisher Dan DiDio made the announcement for September 21st Batman Day celebration during an event at the New York City Barnes & Noble in Union Square. (laughs) Stated to close... Any month now, (laughs) they have gone belly up. Uh, Of course, all four creators have worked on different volumes of Detective Comics, which Tinian penned alongside the initial part of King's Rebirth run on Batman. Uh, Daniel, Mickey, and Maury have all previously worked on the Batman core title. How come they couldn't do this in Midtown Comics? Why they got to do this at Barnes & Noble? That's just where they had the event. I don't know. Whatever. I mean, it was probably Barnes & Noble's event. Lame. Sure. The new creative team will take over with January 8th's Batman number 86, good for James Tinney in the four, but this is... Well, with as much publicity as Tom King has received for his run, you would think... And I'm, I'm not taking anything away from James Tinney in the four. He's a great writer. We like him, yes. and he's written a lot of good Bat books. But this is not the big announcement. It's kind of a lateral move. Yeah, it's kind of a lateral move for him, one, because he was doing a bunch of detective stuff. Mm-hmm. And then two... You like make a big stink out and announce this on Batman Day in New York. It's not like you got Neil Gaiman to do it. Yeah, I'm not saying again. Nothing against him, but this seems like a weird announcement. Right. I I wonder if somebody pulled out. I don't think so. This is what I've heard. The rumor is. I heard some things. I heard. I've heard some things. Some things. Uh, Yeah. I convinced so many (laughs) Batman in this bad boy (laughs) Uh, that. Uh, this run on Batman will be truncated. We don't call enough stuff bad boys. I know. Look at this bad boy. (laughs) Uh, It will be a short run, like maybe ending with issue 100, and then it's going to relaunch with a new Batman number one with the new black Batman. Okay. I'll buy that. Then they're going to call it New Black Batman. Yeah, that's the name of it. New, all new black Batman. The official title. (laughs) Um... So if that's it, it's if that's so, it's kind of like a hey Michael Rosenberg, come write X Men. We've already hired your replacement. Right, right. <laughs> and I, I so Which I I, can I see feel like they're sitting on a bigger announcement down the probably. road. Probably. And Tinian's the kind of guy that he's on board. He's writing bat stuff. He's having a good time. Here's an excuse to write the bat story you want to write. Good for him. It'll be good. Yeah, yeah. The art's going to be really good. This is nothing against Tinian at all. It's no. just that when you say James Tinian is the new writer of Batman, my first instinct is to go, but he already writes Batman. Until such time as Black Batman shows up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Good for these guys. I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, who, who knows? Right. Who knows? That is your nerd news for the week, but I'm sure we missed plenty of other stories while gauging interest in putting together a Micronauts cosplay group not unlike the local 501st Stormtroopers, but not as clicky and certainly not as judgmental as those jerks. So, hit us up on the THN Forum's big news section, or better yet, tune in to Cover to Cover live every Saturday where we broadcast on our Facebook page from 11 to noon Central Standard Time. It's like Dancing with the Stars, where you get a say, but we're the propagandists instead of that fucking asshole Sean Spicer that everybody was laughing at. (laughs) So call us at 402-819-4894 or click the call now button on our Facebook page. Of course, if you can't be there live, you can still play along. You can leave us a message at the phone number or you can send us an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. An MP3 because we can't open it otherwise. Send what so. you got. <laughs> we tried that last there week. There are other happened? audio formats that work just fine. There are. Someone sent us one, one that we couldn't open. Not a thing. 
It's spotlight review time in the Ziggurat where Matt is discussing the finer points of Super Nanite blood and I'm joining an elite fighting force of Marvel's darkest heroes. They cured my ED, Joe. Nanites. Wow. It's amazing. Miracle machines. <laughs> this week, I am reviewing Bloodshot. Number one from Valiant. It is written by Tim Seeley with art by Brett Booth. It is 32 pages for $3.99. Last week on the show, we... I'm not going to read this solicit because I read it last week. Sure. Whatever. Last week on the show, we talked a lot about Brett Booth, and to be fair, we talked a lot of Brett Booth's No, smack. we said that we liked him. It's just that his style has not changed. After reading this book, I don't think we were very fair to mm. Mr. Booth. Joe was way meaner to him than I was. Not true. As usual. Not but true. But the two of us agreed that Booth hasn't evolved as an artist since the 90s. As it turns out... We were wrong. Brett Booth's art has absolutely evolved considerably. I held this up next to some of his old backlash stuff that I thought I used to like. Well, sure. I <laughs> it mean, is, obviously, he really it has, has come a long some. way. His detailed, action-packed style is perfectly at home here in Tim Seeley's adrenaline-fueled thrill ride of a script. For those of you who don't know, Bloodshot was a soldier injected with nanites that basically make him an unkillable killing machine. His mind has been erased several times whenever he begins to question orders, which is really all you need to know for Seeley's first issue. I will say this bloodshot is acting a little more lighthearted than the bloodshot that I remember, so I'm thinking there's something going on there. The story starts like any good action film with an over-the-top action scene, but Seeley injects a little humor with his extreme violence, and Booth's art brings the murder and explosion fest home. This One guy got shot through the face. And no, I thought it was kind of funny how he's like, Look, I shot me straight through the face! <laughs> it was great. This new Bloodshot number one is a perfectly good jumping on point for new readers, and in typical Valiant fashion, it is still fully rooted in the character's continuity. The last couple pages let you know that there is a lot more coming for this character. Mr. Booth, I'll you an apology. This was a fantastic looking issue, packed with motion, fire, and plenty of gore. I can't say I picture Vin Diesel in this role, but that has nothing to do with this new series, so I am giving it a buy it. Give him a jarhead haircut and paint him white. He's Vin Diesel. <laughs> family. Family. Uh, Bloodshot number one came with a variant cover made out of Kevlar. Mm -hmm. Bulletproof, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to hold it up later and you're going to shoot me and we're going to see if it works. Apparently it's very rare. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know. And if it doesn't work, we're going to make a shitload of money. If I'm, well, you will if yeah, I'm not sorry. dead. <laughs> um, I have to say that I, I was left a little cold by the story. The art was good. Yes. Um, I, it, it was frantic and exciting, uh, but... I felt like something was missing. And I've liked previous versions of Deadshot uh, portrayed as a more Bloodshot. thoughtful. Did I say Deadshot? It's a Deadshot. Bloodshot That's portrayed shot. as a more thoughtful. You were thinking of Shot Shot. Shot Shot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, like the Bloodshot we got from, uh, who was it? Like Joshua Dysart or? No, that was wasn't Dysart. Dysart. No, it, it was Lemire and Kent, I believe. Mm. I'm going to have to look. I'll fact anyway, check that. Um, I just thought it was a, a, a more thoughtful presentation of, the, of a character that was kind of ridiculous on the face of it from the 90s. This, It's Rye, but he's got an Uzi, and he's got a flat top. Yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, the owners of Rye were, who was not Bob Layton? Who created Rye? I can't remember. They were um, being jerks, so they are like, fine, we'll get our own Rye. Eat it. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, I'm giving it a skim it because I like the character. Oh, Bob Layton I liked helped the create art. the original Bloodshot. There you go. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ryan Bloodshot, they're just valiant characters from back in the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought the story was a little bit lacking. I, I, I didn't think it, it obviously carries from the last series, and I don't think Seeley did enough to connect those dots for new readers. Okay. So I'm going to give it a skim it. That's fair. Yeah, I think maybe I did enjoy it because I have been reading Bloodshot. Yeah. And this is definitely a, a different take. There's something going on. There's definitely right. something going on. And there's a line on the very last page that lets you know, like, uh-oh, I think we may have lost control of Bloodshot. So yeah, we'll see. We but I had see. fun with it. I'm going to keep reading it. Yeah. It's not that I didn't enjoy it. Joe Patrick, speaking of violent, dark mm, thrill dark, rides. Water, water. Take us into the gutters of the Marvel U with some of the darkest, meanest heroes we've ever seen. Spider Woman. <laughs> uh, I'm reviewing Strike Force number one from Marvel Comics, written by Tiny Howard with art by German Peralta, colors by Jordi Belair. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Uh, again, I won't read the solicit either because I read it last week and it's silly. Tiny Howard assembles a bizarre collection of characters to fight a mystical threat left behind from the War of the Realms. We still don't know if it's tiny or tinny, do we? Or it's teeny. probably tiny. I think we should call her teeny. Okay. <laughs> I have to give Howard credit. She pretty quickly answers the question of why these particular characters have to be the ones yeah. to tackle this problem. Yes. I will say, when I got to that point, I went, okay. Yeah. That's all I need. It made sense. Give me that one thing. That's it. They were, they were targeted by the threat and altered by it in a way that the world can't afford to have happen to the Avengers. Yes. That got all right. it. That's all I need. Yeah. That's that thing. You know what? We didn't get that thing in last week's uh, Black Panther's Agents of Wakanda. That's what was missing. Why are we here? Yeah. Other than Black Panther went, Wasp, come work with me. You too, Gorilla like they, Man. They set it up in Avengers and then didn't bother but, to explain it but in even the then they, series. But even then, they barely set it up. He was just like, I have agents working for me. And Kazar jumps out of a helicopter. <laughs> you know, like... The problem here is that they have been framed for a crime they didn't commit, and now they're on the run. Howard has a good handle on the characters, distinct personalities. I enjoyed the banter between them. Um, you know, Spider-Woman's like, I got to get home to my kid. Right. And uh, Winter Soldier is like, you know, moody and, and Wiccan is, reads as young. Like I said, I enjoyed the banter between them as they battled the bizarre fungus fairies. However, after an intense few opening pages, the book slows way down while Blade explains the plot. <laughs> it's like, here's how yeah. it's happening. Strike Force is a very pretty book. Uh, Peralta's excellent art shines all the way through, especially during the action scenes, and Jordi Belair's colors are as beautifully vibrant as ever. But the creatures are supposed to be so terrifying that they even scare Blade. And unfortunately, I don't think the art team quite delivers on that promise. I also don't think anything scares Blade. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, they don't really seem any worse than anything any of these heroes has faced before, especially in the last event from two weeks ago. Yeah. In the Back Matter essay, Tiny Howard echoes a lot of concerns we discussed before the book was released. What is this bizarre mishmash of characters? What the hell are Spider-Woman and Spectrum doing here alongside Blade and Hellstorm? She gets it. She asks the reader to trust her. She's building a case for why these characters are right for this particular story, and I'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt for now, but I'm giving Strike Force number one a strong skim it, because I know that there's not quite enough here yet to hook some readers, and I'm not sold on these villains. Yes, I'm kind of right there with you, and even I read that same thing that Teeny Howard wrote and thought, is she trying to, like, 
say she's sorry for an okay issue? You know, like, no, is I, don't, she I didn't read that. For it? No, I think that, like, I'm sorry, I think but that the she bad understands guys, that yeah. people are like, what is this? Yeah. Uh, probably the bad guys. And she's got a plan. The bad guys weren't that scary. And they spent the whole issue telling us how scary they were. And that. Well, kind and of, they told us, not showed us. Yes. And they're like, oh, that's tough enough to t- take down Dr. Doom. Where, where was that at? Right. We didn't get to see that. We didn't see anything like yeah. that. And like, what are you guys going to do? Shoot him? Punch him? I mean. Right. OK. <laughs> they seem pretty easy to kill, to be frank. Yeah, that's uh, I don't know. It, it seems like maybe this is going to go someplace right now. I am going to mark this up to Teeny Howard's first team book and she's feeling it out and learning how this stuff works. I hope it improves. I didn't think the art was bad. I thought the art was really good. I thought the art was great. Yeah. And I didn't think the story was bad either. I like that they gave him a reason to be together, but, and I know you hate it when I do this. Do we need this? Does the Marvel universe need this? It kind of feels like they're inventing something for these characters to do as opposed to having these characters do something that needs to be done. <laughs> That's fair. You know what I mean? And, and I don't understand, like, did Teeny Howard go to Marvel and pitch this idea? I kind of doubt it. I kind of doubt it, too. It which sounds- makes me think, who at Marvel was like, I know, Wiccan, Winter Soldier, Blade, well, <laughs> Hellstorm. Winter Soldier has a TV show coming. There's sure. a Blade movie. Yeah. Wiccan is all over the rumors for this Young Avengers stuff that they're supposedly yeah, building yeah, to. I mean, you can true. see what they're doing. Even Monica Rambeau that threw her in there because, oh, yeah, they just mentioned her in Captain Marvel. She was in a Why movie. Why not? Right, yeah. Everybody has these tangential, you know, uh, reaches to Marvel TV and Marvel movies. And this feels kind of like a mishmash of that stuff. And, hey, maybe you'll recognize some of these names. Maybe. It just. Would you rather have this or a good solo Blade series? Oh, Blade. Absolutely. Why yeah, not yeah. just give us a Blade series? You can even let Teeny Howard write it. I don't care. Well, give and, us a Blade and series. Individually, I'm fine with all of these characters. Yes. It's just that together, I just, I don't, I don't quite get it yet. Yeah. I'm giving it a, a straight up skim it. That's less than a strong skim it, yeah. just for the record. Strong skim it, skim it, straight up skim it. Oh, it's less than a <laughs> regular skim it. It's less than a regular skim it. It's below Whoa. it. Whoa. Not a low, it's above a low skim it, below a regular skim it. Straight up skim it. We have three ratings. <laughs> no, there's <laughs> levels. There's levels. It's all in our inflection, you know? <laughs> so that is a buy it and a skim it for Bloodshot number one, and a skim it and a straight up skim it for Strike Force <laughs> number one. <laughs> we'll post our written reviews over two headed nerds so Vin Diesel can find them while Googling himself. But we need to know what you nerds thought of these comics. So call us this weekend on THN Cover to Cover at its new time, 11 a.m. noon Central Standard Time, or bitch about it on the THN fan page on Facebook. That's where people go to yell about comics and get yelled at. It's fun. And if you're not into yelling matches, go to THN forums. It is a calm and collected, heady place yeah, to discuss nice. comics. Summer is officially over, so it's time for the annual Mushroom Harvest and Rocktoberfest Blood Orgy, where Matt and I jump in our combine that we lovingly call the Mangler and mow down the mushroom fields along with the mole men working them. They come back every year. I have no idea where they come from. like fungus. (laughs) Well, we review eight more of this Wednesday's comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. I don't think they can feel anything either. Ludicrous Speed, go!
the plot number one from Vault. Friend of the show, Michael Morisi and Tim Daniel team up to write this family horror slash drama that pushed all my haunted house slash Swamp Thing buttons. Artist Josh Hickson was channeling Swamp Thing artist John Toddlebine with his dark, scratchy, thick-lined art. There's a scary monster, murdered parents, kids forced to live with their uncle in the family's old haunted house. It's got it all. Marici and Daniel's dialogue is perfect, and honestly, the story could have been a compelling drama even without any of the supernatural elements. The plot, number one, is an excellent horror read just in time for Halloween season. Buy it. It's September. It's late September. It's Halloween season. Come on. Black Science, number 43 from Image. Rick Remender and Mateo Scalera's brilliant sci-fi epic wraps up with this final issue. I haven't actually read this series since the first few issues way back when, but I wanted to jump back in and see how Remender brings the story to a close. I immediately fell back into Grant McKay's life and his bloody quest to find a happy ending for his family. Scalera is an incredible talent. Oh my god. And I can't wait to see what he does next. Now, I don't know if I'd find this to be a satisfying conclusion if I was up to date with this series. I'm, I haven't read it. I haven't finished yet, so I'll, I'll let you know. But as a standalone read, it got me really excited to jump back into the world of black science and see what I missed. I'm giving it a bite. I think this series is more stressful than Fear Agent, and that is saying something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Invasion from the planet WrestleTopia, number one from SBI Press. For a comic that posits a universe where an alien race uses professional wrestling as not only a form of government, but to conquer other worlds, I have to say, this is probably the best and most realistic look into the wrestling world that I have read since Max Riffner's The Crippler's Son. Writer Matt Edlin puts a Randy Macho Man Savage, Jake the Snake homage on a collision course with the greatest wrestler in the universe because he talked too much smack on TV, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Great animated art style by Dan Schade. Schade. S-C-H-K-A-D-E. Schade. Schade. Right? Yeah. This was just good fun written by true wrestling fans. Download it only from Comixology. I'm giving it a... Do you know what SBI stands for? Nope. Starburns Industries. Oh. Because it was uh, the guy that played Starburns on Community is one of like the main dudes. Really? Yeah. No shit. Yeah. Oh, man. Give him money. That guy rules. <laughs> Transformers Galaxies, number one from IDW. How can a comic about a group of construction robots that combine to form the most powerful of all Transformers be so Boring. The Constructicons? Yes. Boring? Yes. Normally there's such conversations. <laughs> Tyler Blazinski's script is just that, slogging through the secret origin of the Constructicons from time jump to confusing time jump. Livio Remondelli's sterile art is lifeless, and the hazy colors are really unappealing. Now, I know we're talking about robots here, so there's only like a certain amount of like liveliness you can give to them. But I'm looking at the variant covers, the personality that's present in some of those covers, especially Clayton Crane's cover. Yeah, man, that dude draws Transformers. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I know it's possible to make these characters feel alive. Transformers Galaxies is off to a rough start. I'm giving the first issue a leave it. You know what? I'm going to take it further than that. Ever since they've relaunched everything, they lost something. They yeah, lost I mean, a I lot liked, of the magic. I liked the main series that truly, they relaunched. I loved some of those old Transformers yeah. comics they were doing. They've kind of lost. I think they're off track a bit. 
New Mutants War Children number one from Marvel. I've lost track of what counts as a Marvel's 80th anniversary one-shot and what's just a generic one-shot, but I can this tell is, you... It's, this is one of those. This issue falls into one of those categories. Yeah. And it pairs the iconic team of Chris Claremont and Bill Sienkiewicz on the X-Men's third generation of mutants. The art is weird, amazing, and just plain Bill being Bill. If you love his style, you will love this. And if you hate his style, I hate you. <laughs> Claremont's story is a typical 80s X soap opera featuring a tortured member of the team running from their destiny with weird dialogue like rising out of my wrist come Hella the goddess of death no <laughs> this one shot took me back to my first experience with the new mutants as a kid and I loved it but it is probably only for the old school X nerds. I'm giving this an old guy buy it. You know that if this had been a modern comic by Chris Claremont, we would have eviscerated it. No, for that honestly, shit. It, the way they looked, the feel of the story, it worked because it was just like, oh, look, they found this new mutants comic that they never put out back then. Mm -hmm. it, it, it totally worked. All right, old guy buy it. Cat and Mouse number. That's another rating for you. Mouse, number one from Silverline. <laughs> Silverline founder Roland Mann brings together a group of industry vets for this superhero martial arts tale that tackles the very real problem of human trafficking. This issue has a lot of polish, and Dean Zachary's art has a really nice 1980s Paul Galassi Master of Kung Fu vibe to Definitely. it. Definitely. This was a fun action romp that captures the feel of 80s action comics. I'm giving Cat and Mouse number one a buy it. And the Kickstarter for number two is live right now. I'll post a link to it in the show notes. I did have a little trouble with the fact it was like two weeks ago I graduated high school. Then I, actually, I was going to go into cop school. And after I graduated cop school, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I actually, I did have to do, I did have to Google how long does it take to go through the police academy? And yeah. it was like 21 days. Oh. So yeah, okay. you, could, you could feasibly graduate high school All right. and be done with cop school by the end of the that summer. That is how we got Dick Grayson, the youngest, like the, the youngest the detective. Youngest detective. <laughs> yes. Relics of Youth, number one from Vault. Part lost, part close encounters of the third kind. This story pits a group of kids who mysteriously manifested tattoos and are all picturing a mysterious island somewhere in the Bermuda Triangle on a one-way ticket to weird, baby. Oh, no. One is a 15-year-old piano savant. The other is an ex-child television star. One is a rich kid who... Ends up funding everything and giving this story a reason to happen. Otherwise, how these kids all get together <laughs> they, in the first place. They don't have the resources to go to the Bermuda Triangle. Right. There's definitely a lot of mystery here. I didn't mind the dialogue, I guess. They wrote convincing kids, but there wasn't enough mystery to really pull me into what's going to happen next. I'm giving it a skim it. Not because it was bad by any means. The art was really good. The story was fairly interesting. It sort of had this almost Power Rangers feel to it, but we never even got into what the power is. You know what I mean? I needed just a little more. Isn't one of the kids, like, terminally ill or something? He is, and at one point, he jumps off a boat and swims what looks like a half a mile to shore. So, I don't know how sick he really is. What do you got against <laughs> sick kids? Skim it. Harleen! Number one from DC Black Label. All right, now They I need... say the F word. All right, now I need you to simmer down. <laughs> Our feelings about Harley Quinn have been well documented on this very show, but even Matt will have to agree that Stepien Sedgwick's art in this oversized extra-length issue is stunning. It's gorgeous. I never want to see him draw the Joker again. I can do without the super sexy Joker, yes. Oh my god. He like he looked like a K-pop star or something. <laughs> yes, you know? he did look like a K-pop star. Uh, 
but Sedgwick is a remarkable visual storyteller. The problem for me here, though, is that this issue just keeps going on and on and on. Yes. It clocks in at over 60 pages, and I found it hard to maintain my interest, and I ended up... I don't even I don't even know. Oh look, you you keep going. And I found it hard to maintain my interest and I ended up reading it in three different chunks. Instead of planning a series with three 60-page issues, the story might have better been served by breaking it up into a tighter five or six issue mini. It's wonderful to look at. I found it a bit of a struggle to read. I'm giving Harley number one a skin it. It was eight dollars. I mean, it was I 64 pages. I hated or something. this. It was so self. And you hate Harley this Quinn. This has nothing to do with that. This is the way it was written because this was not written like a Harley Quinn book. If this I was, mean, it's the origin of I Harley Quinn. It. She's not Harley Quinn. But yet. this was so precious and self-absorbed oh, and just it like wasn't uh, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Eye rolling. Leave it. Thwack! That is your ludicrous speed round and thwack! is the sound of a pixie-sized freefall smacking grunge upside his head, as seen in the pages of Gen 13, number 13B. Not 13A, not 13B. 13C. Oh, 13, 13B. Ah, uh, yes, 13B. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as I if, believe it went all the way to, like, 13, like, X. No, no, it was just A, B, and C. <laughs> no, remember? There was, like, it was, 17 issues, like, no, variants it of was, it. it. They had a lot of variants, yes, but the, the 13 was just broken up into three. 13 A, B, and C. If you say so. I know so. I think you're wrong. Okay. Uh, as if you had to guess, this onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by Randy Andrews via the THN Facebook fan page. The guy's got a type. <laughs> if you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, you can slap it upside any of our social media accounts or send an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Joe, that sure was fun, and normally I'd say it's time to hose this blood off, but we're heading to THN Sanctum Sanctorum to meet Brother Blood and D6 Cultists for our Rocktoberfest blood orgy. Tell me you ordered the kegs of Wondergore Lager, because I am not doing another one of these sober. Joseph, for the love of Trigon, I'm going to have to go to my private stock to round up as much pills and booze as I can carry. I'll be right back. Tell these nerds about your must-read pick of the week in the meantime. My pick for next week is Copra number 1 from Image Comics, written and drawn by Michelle Fifa. So nice, they printed it twice. That's right, it's 44 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. Series premiere! Copra! <laughs> returns in the first issue of its all-new ongoing series. Almost a spit day. Sorry. <laughs> Acclaimed comics auteur Michel Fifa picks up where his band of mercenary misfits left off, reintroducing the entire cast of his Suicide Squad. Reintroducing <laughs> his Suicide Squad. Reintroducing the entire cast of his Suicide Squad-esque revenge machine in a brutal standoff against their own leader jump right into the thick of it with the world's greatest action team in this extra-length debut, Milestone, 36 pages for just $3.99. Hot damn. We love Copra around here. Yeah. And We're it's fans. great news that he is going to image. He's going to, like, a bajillion tuple his reading base. Yes. It's good for him. He makes great comics. And I am excited to get back into this world. I need to get caught up. Feel free to give him all the Rob Leefield titles. Just go. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go nuts. Yes, absolutely. They're yours. Uh, but yes, very excited for this. My pick for next week, Ghost Rider, number one, from Marvel, written by Ed Brisson, with art by Aaron Cooter. That dude just keeps getting better. Hey, do you mean Ghost Driver? No. Ghost Rider. Whoa. For the record, nothing, I have nothing against the character of Ghost Driver. 
No problem. You want to make a new person the ghost writer? Whatever. My problem? He's in a fucking car, okay? I don't need that shit. It's stupid. 32 pages for $3.99. <laughs> Here's your solicit. All hells! With an S. Break loose! The brothers Ghost Rider are back. Johnny Blaze ain't just the king of hell. He's the warden, too. He's the first line of defense between the demonic hordes trying to escape the joint and the lords of other hells making a play for his throne and all the power that comes with it, including a certain evil queen from his past. Meanwhile, Danny Ketch never wanted to be a Ghost Rider. Now that his brother's in charge downstairs, Kess must take on the duty of Earth's spirit of vengeance full-time, no matter how much he'd rather be doing anything else. I already told you who's drawing it. They're re- drawing and writing it. They're redefining Marvel Universe's supernatural underbelly for a brutal new era. Plus, the first installment of the Caretaker Chronicles. Oh, Caretaker, I forgot about Fuck that guy. yeah! Forget <laughs> everything you thought you knew. Here's the thing. Ghost Rider has been fundamentally broken as a character, and it was before Ghost Driver was even invented. This goes back a ways. First, the last we time thought Ghost was like, Rider was spectacular was when Jason Aaron was right. It has been, and even then, Jason Aaron just sort of tiptoed around the problems with the character. Like, no, his run was great, and I'm not saying it wasn't bad. I'm saying. Where did this Ghost Rider come from? Was it Zarathos? Was it Mephisto? Was it Satan? Was it like what the hell? <laughs> it well, sounds the thing like is that there are multiple now, right? That's there's not and just it one. It sounds like we're going to straighten things out a little bit. I think Ed Brisson is going to give us the rules, and that's what I need. Just give me the fucking rules. Do we have a Ghost Driver? Fine. Why? Why do we have a Ghost Driver? Give me the rules. I'm hoping they because establish his that uncle here. sold him to the devil. Oh please, his serial killer uncle. Yes, well. You know, it happens, I it guess. It does. The THN trade of the week coincidentally goes to Frog Catchers, the graphic novel from Gallery 13. What a twist! I know. Written and drawn by Jeff Lemire. It's 96 pages for $22.99. And Who here, be Gallery 13? I'm a publisher. Uh, I don't know no Gallery 13. Mm. All right. Here's your solicit. Experience a surreal descent into one man's psychosis in this haunting and chilling graphic novel from Jeff Lemire, the New York Times bestselling author of Roughneck and Sweet Tooth. A man wakes up alone in a strange room with no recollection of who he is or how he got there. The padlocked doors and barren lobby reinforce the strangeness of this place. This is, as he reads from an old-fashioned keychain beside his bed, the Edgewater Hotel. Even worse, something ominous seems to be lurking in one of the rooms, but when he meets a young companion, the only other soul in this vast, enveloping emptiness, his new friend begs him not to unlock the door. There must be something behind it. But what? But what? So we're going to talk about this in a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't need to talk about it now because we're just about to talk about it. Are you kidding me? We got stuff ahead of time? This is crazy. Folks, these are just a few of the comics hitting the new shelves at your LCS next week. By the way, I'm an aquarium nerd. and Frog Catchers is actually out now. Oh, is it As out of now? today. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm an aquarium nerd. And I went to my local aquarium shop, and they call it an LFS, your local fish shop. <laughs> I love that. How about that? I was like, look at you guys. And they knew. I was, And I brought it up. I was like, hey, I'm a comic book nerd. We call ours LCS. They're like, oh, yeah, we're comic nerds, too. It's like, of course you are. <laughs> yeah, we're all fucking nerds, right? We want to hear about your must-read picks for next week and your funniest blood orgy experiences head to the THN forums and let us know what you're reading but also let us know what you would like to hear us review on the show and don't forget to pre-order all 
your picks every week. Joe, remember that time I thought I was taking uppers, but they were barbiturates, and I couldn't get an erection to save my Don't life. I ever. Oh! And then you had to take some nanites. Embarrassing. To fix the problem. That's where the nanites come in. <laughs> and hey, speaking of... Do your magic, boys! <laughs> uh, shout out to Roland Mann and Michael Marisi. Both of those guys put out the call saying, hey, I've got a project. Who wants to look at it? Oh, Jeff Lemire as well. And I was like, yes, 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 yes to all three. And boom, we reviewed all four on the show. Yeah. And they sent us sizable checks to say that we liked them. Hmm. I mean, that's how business gets I mean, done. we don't talk about specific amounts. We ain't doing no church work here. I'll tell you what. <laughs> now and again, Matt and I like to curl up by the hearth in our comfy robes, sip a little brandy, and review an entire graphic novel for a segment we like to call Take a Look. It's in a book. This time... As you've probably heard, we're talking about Jeff Lemire's new graphic novel, Frog Catchers. I don't need to read the solicit because we just read. I done did it. Let's start talking about some Frog Catchers, Joe. Recently, well, not recently, but in the past few years, Jeff Lemire has been extremely active at Valiant, at Dark Horse, DC. Doing a, at yeah. DC, doing a lot of superhero work. And he kind of strayed from where we first met him on a book like Sweet Tooth. Yeah, or um, Essex County. Essex County. Novel another, series. Yes. Yep. This was definitely a return to that strange, very loose cartooning, odd storytelling that we came to love about yep. Jeff Lemire. How did you feel about going back to that Jeff Lemire? Oh, I love it. I, I, I love that. I love that version of Lemire. I love that side of him. Uh, I mean, he's a great writer. He's a great comic writer for superhero comics really or whatever. Uh, I am a fan. But he's a, such a unique voice in comics. And uh, I, I think that having him find the time to put out an original graphic novel is great. Uh, Gallery 13 is not a publisher I'm familiar with. Never heard of him. Um, but uh, this was a treat. Uh, and as we read in the solicit, you know, it's kind of um, it's got a psychological bent like you don't really know what's happening he doesn't know what's happening the protagonist right it, it becomes uh, it becomes pretty apparent what's it happening it becomes very apparent very yeah. quickly yes uh, that this is all a metaphor um, should we talk about what that is mm. I don't think we need to I think we should just focus more on yeah. his storytelling right uh, so like things things start to click pretty quickly and i think that's by design like what's he going through what's he remembering who what is his relationship to this boy right and the, uh, the levels of the story because there's what definitely, are they running from right there's three levels of the story that are all sort of being told at the same time yeah in typical jeff lemire fashion the thing that i love about jeff lemire is he can go from writing a book like bloodshot salvation it was jeff lemire earlier when we were looking for that a compelling but violent superhero book yeah. to a strange, very well-paced, eerie, psychological story right. like this. And, and he does it no problem. He can flip that switch instantly. Like page one, yes. I was right back to that sweet tooth Jeff Lemire that I remember. And like, it's 96 pages, but it it... it it's got a, a pace to it, like a fast pace yeah. to it. This is a quick read. Not like a breakneck pace, but like events are happening. This is all happening over the span of a relatively short amount of time. Right. I, I am a, a gathering from the from the text. Um, and the solicit, 
the solicit kind of makes it sound like oh, it's kind of got like a shining supernatural weird thing going on. And that's not what it is. I mean, it kind of does. But no, but that's not the important part. Right. It, I think is is really what it is. I, I would say the first 25 pages or so almost feel like a flip book. Yeah. In, yes. In the way Very that it's good. like you're seeing motion in each one. Right. But it's you like don't quite you're know seeing panels as they move or like a right. camera panning. But you don't quite know where this is happening. And as you travel through the book, you start to realize that, yeah, there are three different narratives that are all happening on top of each other. And there's these flashes of color that yes, sort of I want to talk me, about that because I kind of felt like that is saying this is the real world, the, the, the what's happening yeah. right now. So and the uh, rest is happening in the subconscious. The first I don't even know how far in we get before we first see our before we see our first bit of color. But it's a solid like 40 pages. I it's think. halfway, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And it like it's just it's just drawn in pencil. It looks right. like it's just drawn in pencil. Yeah. And this is a 125 page book. 96 page book. Like I said. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know I can't like, count. And, like, and Jeff Lemire is the sort of creator that um, has a deceptively simplistic yes. style. Yeah, you, 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 you could look at this and go, look at this. It's just like scrawls. If you quick picked scrawls. One, yeah, if you picked out one page of this and showed it to somebody who doesn't know anything about comics, they would look at it and go, well, that's terrible. No, but yeah, I mean, but it's not. It's it's it's, it's a it's more a, in the execution, right? It's a stylistic choice, and I think he's a master at executing it. Yes, and then, you know, as we get to that point where it's like, oh, there's color in this, and then it, things start to click real fast. And that first colored page, because he did everything here, he drew yeah. it, he colored it. That first colored page, I think. Even if you didn't know Jeff Lemire and you're like, this art sucks, I'm not into this, and you got to that, you'd go, okay. Right. I see what he's doing. He's, he's, this guy's crazy talented. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to keep belaboring uh, because I, I think we're, the less we talk about the story, the better, because it really is something that you should just experience. Right. And, and, it's, I, and it's not a matter of like, I don't want to spoil the end, but when he yeah. finds out he's a vampire, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's nothing like that. It, it's just this is the kind of book that you just need to sit down and experience yeah. and and just let it pull you through the story. And Jeff Lemire is so good at writing these almost like kind of review proof stories. Sure. You know what I mean? Because like, I don't think you can go in and be like, I hated it. <laughs> right. If you understand the medium of comics, how comic book stories are told and what he's trying to execute I mean, here. I, I suppose it's possible that you might not be a fan of what he does. I suppose, but you couldn't say that this is not very well executed right. and, and, and very well illustrated. And like, like Essex County, not quite so much sweet tooth, but more like Essex County. It's an examination of, you know, a uh, human experience. Yes. Um, and it's, a, and this is a lot more metaphorical, right? Um, and then like Ascender and Descender, it's two stories being told at the same time that sort of overlap at yeah. a point where you, you know, go, he did that book. Oh, I got uh, it. He did that book at Vertigo Trillium, which was a flip book. Yes. 
where um, you read and half you read of it. both halves and they met. Yeah, and you read half the book and then you flipped it upside down and read the other half of the book. And the story, like the first half of the story, you're like, I, I think I sort of see what's happening here. And then you get to the point where you flip the book, and as you get to the back, you're like, okay, now I understand the end of that first story because of the <laughs> end of this story. And then I immediately flipped it over and read it again yeah. and went, oh my god. So like, <laughs> Jeff Lemire is a master at subverting yes. the comic traditional comic form. He's one of the most intelligent writers out there right now and this is and this is like a big time muscle flex for Totally. Him. This is a this is him flexing and showing look what I can do. And I have a feeling that he probably brought this to Dark Horse and some other people and they were like, uh, I don't know if we can print it. I don't know how it's going to sell or whatever. Oh, and then Dark Horse would not turn this down. A Gallery 13, I it sounds like kind of like a boutique. Could be. And maybe he's just doing a friend a favor. I don't know. That could be. Well, where the fuck are these weird conspiracy theories coming from? I'm just saying. He's doing a buddy a favor well, here. Dude works for Valiant. The dude works for Dark Horse. The dude, I mean, has done a bunch of DC work, and he's putting this out on Gallery 13. Why? That's odd. Why not? Gallery 13's website's loading very slowly. <laughs> uh, Talk to me, Gallery 13, and we're flywheel. We can speed that shit up. Huh? <laughs> uh, Selfless promo. Yeah, I mean... They're a thing. And Flywheel does not pay for this podcast, so screw you. You should be absolutely supporting me, you jerks. Come on. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think we've said enough. It, one last thing I want to say uh, is that uh, he's he's capable of saying so much with so little. Like, yeah. there's a line in the book between uh, the old man and the, and the boy um, where they're talking about catching frogs. And he's like, yeah, I would catch these frogs. I had no idea what I was going to do with them. I just let them out. I just let them out in the ditch in front of my house. And it's just like, yeah, that's that's what being a kid is. You're doing you're doing stuff. You don't know why you're doing it. Right. It, you know, it it just that that line had a lot of meaning uh, to me. And I think that that's Lemire sort of the fundamental is great at that. You're absolutely right, though. And that becomes very fundamental to the story that he's telling. And I would take it even further with some of the art, the way that, like you said, some of it is very simple, almost scribbled pencil drawings, but you can pull out panels and feel the confusion or the emotion or the fear that's going on in such a simple picture. And that that is so hard to do in such a minimal way. The guy's a genius. I'm giving this a massive buy it. I, I, I don't. I, I mean. I am a fool for Jeff Lemire. I'm not a Jeff Lemire apologist. I am a fool for him because he's very good at what he does. I agree. It's a buy it for me, too. And I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised by Gallery 13 looking at their website. They've got graphic novels by a lot of great, like, well-known current graphic novelists like uh, Alex DeCampi, oh. uh, Michael Cooperman. Um, this could be like a collective or something. They got the rights to Dark Tower, the Dark Tower comics that Marvel put out. What? Yeah. Um, what? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. So uh, they got money. Nate Powell? Like, yeah. They've definitely got money. I don't know. We'll have to figure... We'll have to look into this. Interesting. My conspiracy I'll be looking for more did. of their books. My conspiracy theory just got even deeper. That... <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's a that's a buy-in from both of us for Frog Catchers. Check it out at your local comic book store. All right. It's been a while since we reviewed a graphic novel. Uh, we'd like to do more of it. We'll do anything. We'll do new stuff. We'll do old stuff. We'll do anything you put in front of us. Let us know what you want us to read. We'll do it. We're not picky. We'll do it. We don't care. Give Matt's us, not picky. Give it to us. We'll do it. Yeah. 
So if you've got some graphic novel suggestions for us, hit us up on the THN forums. New stuff, old stuff, anything goes. Email, Facebook, you know where to find us. And creators, same goes to you. Do you have a graphic novel that you're putting out? Shoot it to us. That's what this was. Yeah. If you've got the stones, we'll review it. Excelsior! (laughs) That is it for THN 545, and 546 is threatening to go on an extended climate strike if we don't air out the cavern more often. Joe Patrick, why don't you ask these nerds a new question of the week? While I go uh, open the windows, let the fart stink out. We got windows down here. Oh, yeah, in, in the ziggurat, yeah. Okay. We'd open the front door. You know, we open the gate. We let some fresh air in. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have a goocher. This week's question was once again submitted by Black Scorpion the Three via the THN forums. He says, I was very sorry to hear of the passing of Pecan, the loyal doggo of Stately Lord Fungus. Let's celebrate the doggos and other pets that give humanity to our superpowered gods. Who's your favorite pet, whether superpowered or not, in comics? This is so easy. Did not even have to think about it. Oh my god. You're so if you're, obvious. If you're new to this show and you're thinking about going on a podcast strike, I assure you it's only because you haven't heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital longbox archive at TwoHeadedNerd.com. But hosting that many episodes, it ain't cheap, baby. So we want to thank donors like Joe Rankley, who already got a shout out for becoming a patron, and then again for immediately upping his contribution. What an idiot! But now he's gone and sent us another donation on top of this! Does he know how this works? Hey, Joe's gotten three. That's what happens when you grease the wheels. There you go. I feel like Joe is like a little drunk and looking at and it's just like, oh, his hey, head hit the keyboard. Keep up the good work. <laughs> keep <laughs> up the good work, boy. Donate, donate, donate. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Matt Huckins, a friend of ours dating all the way back to our Krypton days. Matt was a fixture at Omaha's local comic shops, and you'd never have met someone so relentlessly upbeat and excited about comics. Matt passed away suddenly this past Sunday at age 36, leaving behind a wife and two very young sons. If you knew Matt or just want to show your support, please reach out to me with uh, any donations. I'll figure out where they go. I'll make sure they get to the family. I'll also post a link to the meal donation site that was set up by friends of the family uh, in our show notes. Word to you, buddy. We are going to miss you. This is a big loss, and it's a it's sad. Yeah, genuinely sweet guy, Matt Huckins, and like one of the funniest dudes that used to come into the comic shop, and I will never forget, marched in with his girlfriend, asked for his comics from his pull file. Someone goes, what? Aura. It's like, what's your name again? And he goes, Matt Huckins. Rhymes with fuckins. <laughs> and his girlfriend just put her head down. <laughs> I think that that's a joke we started. No. That was him. <laughs> he called that shit out. Gonna miss that guy. 